Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. World Pork Expo is back. I'm at the Iowa State Fairgrounds in Des Moines, and after being off for a couple of years, World Pork Expo is indeed back, and it's great to see people gathering here once again at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. I'm in the Varied Industries building where the red carpet is out for the exhibitors and for those coming to uh, take a look at what they have to see here at, Far- at World Pork Expo, and tell you what, that red carpet is very inviting and the thing I've heard a lot of people say and I've even said it myself several times already good to see you again I mean just seeing people you haven't seen in months in some cases maybe years and a chance to greet them shake hands again things like that there's plenty of hand sanitizer all over the place Uh, people are just glad to see one another once again it's like kind of like a big family reunion if you will for the pork industry to be back here for World Pork Expo three days and a lot of information. The educational seminars are already going on. I'll be broadcasting from here at World Pork Expo today and again tomorrow. Coming up later today, we're going to talk with Jen Sorensen, president of the National Pork Producers Council. We'll be talking a lot about this uh, debate over the court ruling, slowing down line speeds in packing plants and how that is a great concern for the pork industry and could be very costly to pork producers. We'll also be talking with Liz Wagstrom, Chief Veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council. We'll get an update on African swine fever and the ongoing efforts to keep it out of the United States. And we'll talk with the President-elect of the National Pork Producers Council, Terry Walters from Minnesota. And Terry will be talking about the Proposition 12 issue out in California that really has an impact all across the country. So all that coming up. But earlier, I talked with Nick Giordano. He is Vice President and Counsel for Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. And I asked Nick, what are the trade priorities for the pork industry? The Asia-Pacific region, fastest-growing economic region in the world. We were, uh, took us a long time to get over the last administration pulling out of the CPTPP. Um... Tremendous opportunities uh, all over the Asia-Pacific region. We've still got the uh, 25% punitive tariffs on our exports to China, which have been very good, you know, largely because of African swine fever. But um, they'd be more robust. Um, There'd be more value for the industry if we weren't under those tariffs. So obviously we'd like to see those tariffs go away. We'd like to see the U.S. back into CPTPP. Um, we'd like to see trade promotion authority renewed. But, um, you know, given the pandemic and uh, the fact that this administration has said, you know, probably not this this year for those things on trade, um, we're, you know, we're looking at other opportunities that can create value for the pork industry. We had a recent success in the Philippines and uh, we're, we're working hard on uh, more market access in Vietnam. What are your thoughts on Britain possibly going into the new TPP? Yeah, I think they signaled quite a while ago that they were interested. They've been green-lighted. 
They um, and they've been negotiating with some of the CPTPP members on a bilateral basis. They just indicated that they want to have a deal done by the 15th of June with Australia. So I, you know, I think it's very positive for the UK. I think the UK is very disappointed that the Biden administration hasn't continued to um, to negotiate. Um, you know, the Trump administration was negotiating the FTA with the UK. Um, you know, we're disappointed in that, but and and we'd love to see a deal with the UK. But again, MPPC's major focus is on the Asia Pacific region simply because that's where the money is. And, you know, CPTPP is growing. So the UK is in. I think there are other nations that are looking at it. Um, Thailand's looking at it. And I, I, I think it's pretty clear that CPTPP membership is going to grow. And I think we really need the U.S. in there. You know, with all due respect to the Japanese, I think, which did, did have done a, a marvelous job with the U.S. pulling out. But I really think we need the U.S. in there um, driving the bus, um, you know, not just for parochial U.S. commercial reasons and U.S. pork exports, but I think even for greater geopolitical reasons. What's the latest on your work in Vietnam? More access there. Well, it's 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 moving along. Um, we when ASF hit and in, uh, in Southeast Asia, we um, we made it clear both to the host governments and to the Trump administration that um, it was an opportunity for U.S. pork exports and also an opportunity for us to learn more about ASF. And so we. Um, We've worked with a couple of other organizations to um, fund a very important research project in Vietnam on ASF. Um, we're working on one in the Philippines. And um, we had last year um, increased market access in Vietnam, which was important. It, it, we're prejudiced in that market now that the U.S. has pulled out of CPTPP. Those countries, you know, which include Canada and Mexico and other pork exporting nations, have a tariff advantage over the United States. Um, the European Union basically got the deal on pork that we negotiated, hmm. um, you know, same in CPTPP, and the EU has a tariff advantage on us. So last year we were successful in Vietnam in getting those duties reduced to the, um, the CPTPP EU level. However, they bumped back up this year. And so we're focused on, and we've been talking to the administrators, to the Biden administration, the members of Congress, uh, about the opportunity in Vietnam. We think it's a win-win um, where Vietnam has got a huge trade deficit with the United States. There's been a lot of angst expressed in um, the last administration, I think, and in, in this one as well, about the trade deficit, about Vietnam benefiting from supply chains moving out of China. They need to buy more U.S. products. Well, guess what? We got something that they, they if you lower those tariffs, they'll buy a lot more of it. So I, I, I think we're pretty well positioned here. I, I think it's something that should be a win for both countries. And we're going to keep, we're, we're not there yet, but we're going to keep working on it.
That's Nick Giordano, Vice President and Council, Global Government Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council, talking about some of the key trade issues for the pork industry. All right, it is opening day of World Pork Expo here at the Iowa State Fairgrounds in Des Moines. A warm day, going to be about 90 degrees here today, but the crowd continuing to pick up, and it is great to have... uh, folks back in person at an event like this once again. We're going to take a break. When we come back, the president of the National Pork Producers Council, Jen Sorensen, will join us. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Steve Meyer, economist for Partners for Production Agriculture, your thoughts on the impact of the recent court ruling striking down faster line speeds in, packing, in some packing plants. Uh, Pork Producers Council coming out saying that could really hurt smaller producers. What are your thoughts on the impact of that decision? I think it's going to hurt kind of anybody. Um, uh, smaller producers might take the brunt of it. They usually take the brunt of any kind of disruption. Um, you know, number one is my thought is I'm horribly disappointed in USDA. Uh, that they wouldn't go and fight for something that's been proven to be okay and proven to be effective. As far as its impact, yes, uh, you know, it's going to slow these six plants down. It's going to take 2.7 to 3% of our slaughter capacity away, and that's not a big deal right at the moment. But it is going to put us in a bind come the fourth quarter. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 
You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. It's opening day of World Pork Expo back after a couple of years off. Last year because of COVID concerns, year before that because of African swine fever concerns. So good to have everyone back. And we're joined now by Jen Sorensen, president of the National Pork Producers Council. Jen, I, I describe my feelings coming in here today like it's it's different but familiar all at the same time. It's just good to be back together again. It really is. We couldn't be more excited to be here. Lots of smiles, lots of comments about, you know, great to see you in person. And of course, this industry is so rooted in fellowship and camaraderie and and relationships. And so just, again, couldn't be more excited to be hosting the World Pork Expo. You kind of kicked things off with a press conference this morning and the, the media has turned out. I think uh, the ag media is anxious to have an event like this in person again, too. Absolutely. They're excited to be here as well. So uh, got a lot of important issues that we've been talking about this morning and getting the word out about, you know, line speed and, of course, wouldn't be in PPC if we weren't talking about trade, talking about climate policy and, and the issues that are top of mind for U.S. hog farmers. Well, let's talk about the line speed issue. Uh, that court ruling basically slowing down line speeds and packing plants. Great concern to this industry. Um, we have... Uh, course talked about this issue that you wanted USDA to appeal it they've declined to do so so far uh, we've heard now that Senator Grassley kind of spearheading an effort to, to try to get something done on this uh, explain for our listeners uh, that aren't familiar with why this is a, such an important issue and why this could be very costly to pork producers this is an important issue you know Dermot Hayes estimated that our US pork harvest capacity will drop 2.5 percent and that's a lot while that seems like a small number you look at the the six plants that will be impacted that could be up to 25 percent loss capacity and so you look at what this means to hog farmers that means we don't have a, a market for 25 percent of our hogs if we're if we're flowing into those plants and you know we believe the impact will be disproportionate impacting small farmers you know and that's that's extremely problematic to the pork industry uh, which is why this has been a top issue for NPPC we we don't want to lose any capacity in the packing sector we want more capacity we want to keep our robust competitive industry in place capacity has been a huge issue facing the industry anyway and of course on the other side there are people talking about well what about safety and health concerns for workers and packing plants so how do you address that and still keep line speeds up you know nobody is more cognizant of safety in our farms and on the plants than producers we're this is not a worker safety issue um, there is no data that suggests that uh, these plants operating under the faster line speeds had increased worker safety issues. In fact, the, the data suggests that quite the opposite. So, you know, this is a nonpartisan issue. We need to get this fixed. We need a solution here, and we need to keep our capacity. Have you heard anything from Secretary Vilsack on this issue and why they've declined to appeal the, the decision? 
you know, we have been in discussions with USDA and, and we're working towards a solution. You know, obviously we're asking for the judge to grant a stay. We're also working on some uh, waiver strategy and, and ultimately we need to all come to the table with USDA, with our labor unions and others to find to find a solution that works for all of us. We're talking with Jen Sorensen, president of the National Pork Producers Council. Another huge issue facing the pork industry in particular, agriculture in general, and that is uh, the shortage of labor. Mm. Let's talk about how that is impacting pork producers. Yeah, well, you know, our farms exist in rural America where there's not a lot of population, and we've had, we've been facing labor shortages for years, and, you know, livestock care is year-round. It's every day. It's in the farms, daily observation, breeding, weeding, and all the things that goes into really great livestock care, which is you know, a principle and a value that we as pork producers have. And so that, that's what makes the labor shortage such a huge issue for us. And, you know, we look at those uh, H-2A programs that provide, um, you know, additional resources to some of the more seasonal agriculture industries, um, like vegetable harvest uh, with that seasonality piece to it. And, and we say, well, why can't we have that in livestock? But livestock cares every day, and so it can't be a seasonal fix. Uh, we we don't want to be limited with caps, too. So we're really looking for a reform of that H-2A program that is such a viable asset and tool uh, for some of our peers in the, in the plant and vegetable industry to apply over to livestock. So really hoping that we get a, a labor solution here with the Biden administration. And it, it's been something you've been working on for some time. It's not a new issue. Uh, it's something that, uh, you know, it seems to always get caught up in the overall uh, immigration issue in this country, and then it, it bogs down. Uh, there's, lot, you know, political disagreements and things like that. So it keeps something from getting done to address the ag worker portion of it. That's absolutely right. You know, we need a solution for agriculture, and we know that, overall labor reform is a huge issue and it's a it's a tough issue to get through but we have to look at what are the labor needs of agriculture what are the labor needs of livestock production and particularly pork producers and we need a solution jen as we gather back here at world pork expo again coming out of the out of the pandemic not that it's over yet we're still dealing with it but uh, have made a lot of progress obviously where do you feel you're at as as an industry having come through this and what do you see now these are a couple of big issues we've just talked about but other challenges facing pork producers as we move forward you know i would say right now optimistic we have a healthy industry we have a competitive industry and a robust industry you know we we survived covid that was extremely difficult you know for pork producers and many of us that experienced the backup of hogs and what we went through last year. Um, but right now we're looking at really strong pork demand domestically, which is a great story. We have strong export demand, which is another fantastic uh, thing to be experiencing. But, you know, so very positive and very optimistic. If we also have high grain prices, which mm -hmm. is making feed costs soar. 
And, you know, I was asked earlier today, you know, what's the industry doing in terms of construction and growth and expansion? And, you know, just like the housing market, we're also hit with high lumber costs and high material costs. So, you know, um, we're a resilient group, though, and, and definitely very optimistic about, you know, the current market condition. You mentioned demand. Uh, we saw it change the shift during the pandemic as people started eating more at home rather than going out to eat and we we kind of wait to see how that restaurant business is going to pick up again uh, there's they have labor issues they're dealing with certainly too trying to get people back to work but um it, it was an interesting dynamic to see how that moved but overall there seemed to be that strong and even growing demand for pork it was really such a positive thing to see you know you don't you don't quite know how to predict what's going to happen with consumer buying patterns. And, you know, we were quite pleasantly surprised to see that, you know, during the sheltering and the shutdown, consumers chose pork to fill their freezers. And that was fantastic. And we hope that they we will keep them as loyal buyers of pork products and had a really great eating experience and tried new things. And they even tried new cuts as well. And so, yeah, as restaurant opened back, opens back up you know pork has their place in food service and restaurants definitely in the breakfast category and the pizza category and, and bacon makes everything better right, right? Uh, but you know we hope to hang on to those in-home pork consumers as well and finally jen with this push about on climate goals and addressing environmental concerns and issues where do you see the pork industry fitting into that? You have a strong message, don't you? Well, we do have a strong message. You know, we know that climate and environmental policies are at the top of the Biden administration. Uh, we have a great story to tell. You know, we welcome the chance to be at the table and be a part of these conversations. You know, over the past year, 50 years, as, as we've doubled our pork output and the amount of pork produced, you know, we've also reduced our carbon footprint. We've reduced our water usage. We've reduced our overall uh, environmental footprint, footprint, and we are responsible contrib for contributing 0.4% of the total greenhouse gas emissions. And that's a, that's a good number, and we're going to continue to drive that down. So we're pretty excited about getting to the table and, and telling that story on behalf of the U.S. pork industry. And excited to be back here in person, uh, World Pork Expo at the Iowa State Fairgrounds in Des Moines. Good to see you in person. I love it. Good to see you, too. Take care. Thank you. Jen Sorensen, president of the National Pork Producers Council. All right. Um, African swine fever, still a big issue. Uh, issue in a lot of parts of the world China and others we have been very successful in keeping it out of the US but that's an ongoing effort we're going to talk about that with Liz Wagstrom chief veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council that's coming up next from World Pork Expo in Des Moines you're listening to AOA hi this is Mike Adams you're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. 
Adams on agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you. Cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen with this market update. Well, the corn and soy complexes are sharply higher on the mostly hot and dry forecast ahead for much of the western and northern corn belt. Minneapolis wheat futures started a bit lower but have turned their way back around and are higher as well as volatility continues to be elevated across this entire marketplace. As the ag sector mostly higher overnight as well following USDA's weekly crop progress report, which showed deterioration in crops due to adverse weather. Corn condition rating going from 76% good to excellent down to 72% nationwide as U.S. corn and soybean condition ratings are near average, but adverse weather is proving a drag to those ratings with spring wheat crop ratings, the second lowest on record since 1988 for the week. Now, portions of the northern plains and much of the Canadian prairies are expected to see beneficial rains the next several days, yet heat will remain a problem for the northwestern core belt with crop stress expanding to most of the northwestern half of the belt over the next two days. The 16- to 30-day weather outlook doesn't look much better west of the Mississippi River. Meantime, in livestock, after trading mostly lower Monday, the live cattle contracts are trying to regain some of their position in Tuesday's early market, but have slipped a little bit lower. Meanwhile, the lean hog market continues to trade mildly higher, but the feeder cattle contracts are trading mostly lower as the corn market aims higher once again. Taking a look at a few of the numbers right now, July corn up 12 and a quarter, 691 and a half. July soybeans, 31 and three quarters higher, 1592. July Minneapolis spring wheat nine and a half higher seven ninety four and a half. July Chicago wheat up eighteen and a half six ninety eight and a half. July KC wheat up nineteen and a half six forty nine and a half. June live cattle down ten one sixteen twelve. Feeder cattle for August down one ninety two one forty eight twenty seven. June hogs up thirty at one twenty twenty. For Adams on Agriculture, I'm Jesse Allen. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
Opening day of World Pork Expo here at the Iowa State Fairgrounds in Des Moines. Good to talk with the chief veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council, Liz Wagstrom. And Liz, uh, we've uh, talked a lot over the years about various topics, and you and I were just talking before coming on that when we were last here at World Pork Expo, it would have been June of 2018, that was before African swine fever was really discovered in China, which happened, what, about August, August of 2018. And we're still talking about they're still dealing with it, right? Absolutely. You look at all Southeast Asia is dealing with um, African swine fever, as well as um, it's spreading across Western Europe now, um, or Eastern Europe, excuse me, to the West. And um, so our... NPPC's top priority um, in some of the science and technology issues I work on is preventing the entry of African swine fever into the United States, having the capacity to identify it early if it gets here, and then being prepared to respond and get back to you know, normal production and normal trade. So you have to have plans A, B, and C all at the same time then, right? Absolutely. You know, our, our goal is to keep it out. That's why we've been lobbying for funding for additional Customs and Border Protection agricultural agents. We want more Beagle teams at the airports. Um, and we also want to look at what we can do about ris any risky ingredients that be could be coming in um, and how would you identify and, and mitigate those. And then if it does enter, our, our veterinary diagnostic labs, our state veterinary labs are um, front and center along with the national labs. And so we're lobbying for $30 million of appropriations in this year's budget for that. They did get some money from the COVID packages because those laboratories were so important in testing human samples for COVID. And then every week we are on multiple planning calls with our states and USDA about, you know, really getting more detailed to response plans if we were to have an outbreak. What have we learned about African swine fever as far as it, how it started and how to treat it? I think there's a couple things we've learned. If you look at the difference between Asia and Europe, in Europe it's a disease of their wild boar population in very few commercial production facilities. And so they've got the situation that we would have if it got into our feral pigs is how do you... Um, manage a wild pig population to try to keep it from spreading, um, you know, ASF spreading geographically. In Asia, it is a commercial pig population that has been largely impacted. And there, um, one of the things that we're really proud of, we worked with USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service to get a um, $1.6 million grant for the Swine Health Information Center, looking at things like partial depopulations of farms, um, validating diagnostic tests that could be more population-based tests, looking at things like virus survival and cleanup. So how do you clean up a lagoon? How do you clean up a barn? How do you have a, no one it's safe to put pigs back into a barn you've cleaned right. up? So um, I think we're trying to take what is a horrible situation in other countries and see what we can do to help them, but also to help ourselves be better prepared. We're talking with Liz Wagstrom, Chief Veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council. How is African swine fever different from other swine diseases we've dealt with? Well, so if you look at our, our classic PERS that we've dealt with forever, it's a respiratory disease, it's airborne. 
African swine fever is a close contact disease. So it requires um, a animal to have contact with secretions, whether it's nasal secretions, blood, feces, you know, it is a, a close contact, um, oral, fecal sort of, of spread. It is probably the strain that has been going through Asia in Europe is more deadly than most of the other diseases we've dealt with. In some ways, that's good because it's hard to overlook. Mm. You know, you're going to call a veterinarian and get a diagnosis sooner when you have 20% mortality than when you have 2% mortality. Um, it probably doesn't spread as fast within a barn as we thought. So that's, that's something we've learned. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of work that we're learning on vaccinology, USDA's um, Agricultural Research Service, I think is getting close to having effective vaccines. Now the question is, how can you get them commercialized where you can grow them in high titer, high volume situations? But we're getting closer. We're getting much closer. You know, I think when we talked two or three years ago, I would have said we may be a decade away. Now I think we're within a few years. I don't think we're within a few months, but we're still much closer from what I can, what what, what we have been able to hear from from ARS. Are you surprised it has spread as much as it has? In Europe, no. Um, in Asia. I think with the way they move pigs, um, that was bound to happen. Um, and you know, you have people who are, um, especially backyard subsistence farmers, um, having a uh, preemptive depopulation of their herd um, is their entire life. And so, I think that. Um, hungry people do what they need to do to survive and they may be less concerned with the um, status of a country about with a disease mm -hmm. as you lobby for more funding to help keep it out right. of this country I, I i think of the classic well what you spend is going to pale in comparison to what you would lose if we would get the disease absolutely you know we were um, really excited we got 635 million in the last um, big omnibus covid package that passed um, to keep funding customs and border protection agricultural agents because they're largely funded by user fees on international airline tickets mm -hmm. and maritime cargo well that fell way down dramatically and so you don't want to cut loose highly trained individuals they'd been diverted to mail facilities and express mail facilities but um, you know getting vote getting that not only kept at their current rate of employment but increasing the number of agents increasing the dogs increasing our ability to test um, sick animals when when we have them increasing our ability to understand risk is um, it's a 24 7 365 day a year job so hopefully we don't get african swine fever in this country but we know looking back as we mentioned earlier we've had several others in the past uh, we're kind of in a period where we don't have the major outbreak right now uh, what do you attribute that to well i would say that PED made us a much better industry as far as biosecurity. Mm. We thought we were really good, and then yeah. PED got loose, and we realized maybe we weren't as good as we thought we were. 
Um, I think that our producers have dedicated a lot of time to training and, retra and retaining labor. I know you just talked with Jen Sorensen about our labor issues, but having highly trained labor on the farms that understand the importance of um, animal care, of biosecurity, of um, proper vaccination, of when to call a veterinarian, all that is, um, is not just a warm body in a barn. That is a trained individual that, that is responsible for the health of those animals. That producer-worker relationship with veterinarians is key, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, we have incredible association of the swine veterinarians that we work closely with, and their members are so in tuned to the entire system of pork production. Mm -hmm. You know, when I went through vet school, I thought I was just going to run and gun and, you know, give shots and, you know, necropsy pigs. And, and I look at the um, people we have who are swine veterinarians now who are truly specialists in all areas of pork production. It's, they're an incredible resource. So are there any other, as you look around the world, any other diseases that we should be aware of other than African swine fever? You know, one of the things that is an, uh, could be an old nemesis that could come back is pseudorabies. Um, they've got a very hot strain of pseudorabies in Asia. Um, we do know that our, our diagnostic tests can pick it up. USDA did those tests. But, you know, if that were to get you loose again in the United States where we would have to try to eradicate pseudorabies, um, that could be a long and difficult uh, that brings back some bad memories for a lot of producers. Absolutely. And so, again, you know, those odd signs, you know, paddling pigs or, you know, increased mortality or all of those things, that's when it's so important to get your veterinarian involved. And, and you know, there's that old saying, you know, when you hear hoofbeats, you know, sometimes you ought to look for a zebra. Yeah. It just reminds us you always have to be on guard, don't you? Absolutely. All right, Liz, good to talk with you, and the good news is African swine fever is not in the U.S., and hopefully we can keep on saying that. Correct, and we are so happy to have you back at Expo and to be seeing people here in Des Moines. Thank you. Good to be back. Good to see you. Liz Wagstrom, Chief Veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council. All right, coming up next, another big issue facing uh, the pork industry, and we've talked about this one before. I want to get an update on it, and that is Proposition 12 in, in California, and the you know it gets right down to can one state that dictate the production practices of producers in other states that's where what it comes down to and not just in this case it's pork but it could be something else certainly so this is a issue that can uh, impact all of agriculture we're going to get an update on just where we stand with that we'll talk with the president-elect of the national pork producers council get the very latest on prop 12. stay with us it's opening day of world pork expo at the iowa state fairgrounds in des moines you're listening to aoa Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. 
Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy to listen to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. Hey, it's me, your cell phone. We need to talk about something, something serious. I know you love me. I know you like using me wherever you are, but I feel like this isn't working out when you're driving. I know you may think that it's possible to focus both on me and the road, but I just don't feel the same way. I think we should spend time away from each other when you're driving. It's for the best. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Michael Langmeyer, Purdue Ag Economist, and despite strong commodity prices, we see this significant decline in the barometer. What's behind these numbers? I was a little surprised that the drop was as bigger as big as it was, but certainly there were several questions where we saw a drop in sediment. There's a couple things I think that were going on behind the scenes that are important to understand this drop. One of those is the last couple of months there's been a large divergence in the sediment for crop producers and livestock producers. And a full third of the survey uh, is of livestock producers, and particularly uh, cow-calf 
producers, but the beef industry in general. And certainly the sediment is much lower for the livestock producers compared to the crop producers. And so I think that contributed to the drop in the index. But even though we don't ask the question directly, I think there's also some um, worries, at least, regarding inflation. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And here at World Pork Expo at the Iowa State Fairgrounds in Des Moines, good to talk with the president-elect of the National Pork Producers Council from Minnesota, Terry Wolters. Terry, good to see you. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate being here. Uh, it's just good to see people again, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. We're so excited to have this event. And, uh, yeah, we haven't had uh, this event in over two years, as you know, and cer certainly welcoming all the guests and uh, visitors. You know what I like to see again? People the conversations that are going on face to face and you see them all over we're near the exhibit hall here and just a lot of that going on and and that's what i think we've missed the most just being able to have that interaction again face to face yeah there's a lot of networking that goes on between uh producers and suppliers obviously but producers all around the country uh certainly uh can learn from each other by just through having uh conversations so it's good to get people back together again one of the issues facing the pork industry and really all of agriculture needs to be watching as closely, and I know they are. That's Proposition 12 in California, uh, where they passed out there, uh, basically saying if you're going to sell a product into their state, it has to be produced in the standards that they have set. And that's a great concern. You're challenging this. Uh, what's the latest on this? Yeah, so we've had uh, the, uh, we're pushing that case through the court system, and uh, so we've had some initial uh, activity in there. But uh, we're feeling pretty good about it, but at the same time, cautiously optimistic, you know. So don't want to give a lot of details as to what the plan is, but uh, I assure you the NPPC staff, Michael Formica's leading that charge, has uh, clearly got it on his radar. Yeah, we'll talk more with Michael tomorrow about this, but it's obviously a huge concern uh, for pork producers in this case, being able to sell into that market. Um, it's also an issue out there, I would think, uh, for producers in that state. Absolutely. You know, and last year with the pandemic, we saw the uh, disruption to the harvest chain and how that can impact very quickly the food availability. And so with uh, these regulations coming down the track, it's going to impose higher food prices. It's going to be uh, more expensive for producers to produce that pork, which ultimately then the consumer suffers. You have a large Asian and Hispanic uh, population in California. They're looking for good, affordable food, and uh, unfortunately, this is going to disrupt that. And as you said, costly for producers there, which leads to higher costs for consumers. It would be costly for producers all across the country that want to sell into that market. Absolutely. You know, uh, so they're imposing regulation in, in one manner that they want these uh 
pigs raised in and producers have to sell their pig in multiple markets and uh, 15% of the pork is consumed in California but California just doesn't buy 15% of the pigs they buy products and so as a producer the challenge I have is I have to make the product that California wants out of my pig and the product that Florida wants or Iowa etc and I only have one pig to do it with and obviously when I say this could be a precedent I mean if if they could if one state could do this say to pork uh, they could any other you know they could do it to any other product too which would impact producers in states across the country that's right and then that's to my point we're using one pig to meet multiple states requirements and uh, that's a challenge on the farm we're talking with the president-elect of the national pork producers council terry wolters from uh, from minnesota uh terry as we come out of the uh, the pandemic, uh, it's been a challenge for all of us, obviously. How, how do you uh, look at how the pork industry has come through this? Well, it's, it's really, uh, we're enjoying great markets right now, uh, probably the second highest market in the history of the industry, which is very fortunate uh, for producers. We've got some uh, increased uh, input costs that are certainly mm -hmm. a challenge with the market today. You've got this proposed rule that we're talking about with Proposition 12, well, if I have to go in and start remodeling my facility, there's a 30-plus percent increase in building costs. And uh, so while the markets are very good today and we're thankful for that, uh, it's not all profit. And the line speed issue is another uh, yep, huge one. could cost all producers, especially smaller producers, I would think. Absolutely. The line speed's a big problem. Um, we're certainly concerned about that. Reduced, uh, we've been talking about, like we said last year, we ran into decreased harvest capacity and uh, we had to euthanize animals that we didn't intend to and that disrupts the food supply and, and this uh, line speed issue is it's a great concern because we're going to lose two and a half percent is what Dr. Hayes has estimated as high as four percent but more importantly in certain regions of the country we're looking at more to 20 to 25 percent loss of capacity and the interesting part is you've got the administration talking about how we in need to increase the capacity in the in the meat sector but a judge's ruling is going to decrease it here and it's going to impact small independent family farms in uh, regional areas in the meantime though one of the things and we talked about this with Jen Sorensen earlier that has come out of the pandemic is a growing demand for pork absolutely uh, porks uh, we got a great demand poll going on right now that's what I alluded to prices are doing very well producers are thankful for that but it, uh, with export strength and uh, increased demand here in the U.S., we uh, have a great, great wave going on right now. How do you feel about the industry itself constantly undergoing changes, obviously? Uh, how do you feel its position for moving forward? I think the industry is in good shape. Uh, I would say last year was a good example how resilient the industry and the producers are. Uh, we marketed animals that uh, through ways that we didn't ever intention. You know, nobody... No, I, I just admire how creative producers get. And uh, we had a lot of pigs that were backed up, and they mm -hmm. found a way to, to get utilized. Yeah, at one point, that backlog seemed just almost insurmountable. Absolutely. But you worked through it. Yeah, we did. And, and so, uh, the, again, the resilience, the creativity, the adaptability of uh, producers, pretty amazing. 
Good to see you, Terry. I keep saying that to everybody. Good to see you yeah, no, and sure. to see people in person again. And uh, great to have World Pork Expo back. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate being here. All right. Terry Walters, uh, president-elect of the National Pork Producers Council, producer from Minnesota. That's going to wrap it up for our broadcast here at the opening day of World Pork Expo. I'll be back here again tomorrow. The show is a three-day show, keep in mind, here at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. Tomorrow we'll talk with the uh, retiring uh, CEO of the National Pork Producers Council, Neil Dirks. Look forward to looking back over a uh, very distinguished career with the pork industry with Neil. Uh, we'll be talking more about Prop 12. We'll be talking about environmental sustainability for the pork industry and more on this line speed issue. All that coming up tomorrow. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.